This is Patrick Donahue. Welcome to Bible Crossfire. Deuteronomy 10, 12-13 reads, And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Now, even though we are not under the Old Testament law, there are still some important truths we can learn from this passage. First, notice this text is telling the Israelites what was required of them. Fearing God, walking in his way, loving him, serving him, and keeping his commandments were not optional. They were all absolutely required. Underline that word. But what does it mean to fear God? We're usually told it means a healthy respect for God, but sometimes it can also mean we are downright scared of God. Philippians 2.12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I like to illustrate this way. When I was a boy, I was not scared of my dad as long as I was doing what he said. But if I had disobeyed him, boy, was I scared of him. It works the same way with God. We don't need to be scared of God as long as we're living in obedience to his word. But if we are not being obedient, watch out. The next thing this text required of the Israelites was that they were to walk in all his ways. Now, walking in God's way simply means obeying God's law, his word, the Bible. And notice the little word all here. It was expected that they walk in all God's ways, not just some of them. Many think that is impossible, but this is what was required of them. So it was possible. And anything short of that required repentance. Then the Israelites were commanded to love God. I can show love for my wife by kissing her, but I can't do that with God. He's not here. The way we show love for God is by keeping his commandments. Jesus taught that exact thing in John 14:15, quote, "If you love me, keep my commandments." And when we serve the Lord, it has to be with all our heart and soul. We have to put God first, even before family, job, and perhaps before the church we grew up in. Matthew 6:33 reads, "But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you." Lastly, the passage requires that we keep God's commandments. Now, most preachers will tell you obedience is not all that important, that all you have to do is believe in Jesus. All you have to do is accept Christ as your personal Savior to be saved. But our text didn't make keeping God's commandments something optional. It is talking about things that were, remember, required. Now, here are some other texts that prove obedience to God's New Testament laws required for salvation today. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. Being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Mark sixteen sixteen. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You see, it takes trust, belief, and obedience. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And then Revelation 22:14, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Many say obedience to God is not required. But as we've seen, Deuteronomy 10, 12-13 teaches we are required, quote, to fear God, to walk in all his ways, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul. That is, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes. If you learn one thing from this program, I hope it is that. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. You know, we have the open lines right now. Many times there's three or four people waiting to call in and people can't get in, but nobody's calling right now. If you have a Bible question or comment, now would be a good time. While we wait on that call, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9. That passage is really clear in teaching that we have to obey God in order to be saved. Of course, many preachers say you don't. They say all you have to do is believe to be saved. They say you're saved at the point of faith or you're saved by faith only. But this verse, talking about Jesus, says, Being made perfect, he became the author or source of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Now think about what that would imply. If Jesus is the author or the source of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, that would mean that those who don't obey him won't receive eternal salvation. Now consider the scenario we're going over. Here's a person that believes. And people say, all you got to do is believe to be saved. He believes, but he doesn't obey. Does this first teach he's going to be saved or not? Well, the simpler answer is not. Because this verse says Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. If he only believes, but he doesn't obey, then he's not going to receive eternal salvation according to this verse. Now Matthew 7.21 read, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You see? So if you suppose under our scenario you have a believer who does not obey, that means he won't be saved. Because this says people who are just believers, they believe in the Lord, they call him the Lord, but they don't do the will of the Father which is in heaven, they will not enter into heaven. So it's not enough just to believe you have to do the will of the Father which is in heaven to go to heaven. Obedience is absolutely required. We all sing at church that song, Trust and Obey. Believe it. We have to trust and obey in order to be pleasing to God. Trust, belief, all by itself is not good enough. We have to also obey God to be saved. David from Georgia, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. You know, I feel like I'm still working out my salvation because I haven't been able to quit smoking cigarettes. And I'm actually okay with that because I'd rather be working out and know that this has to end for my salvation to be assured than to subvert the truth of the Bible, which is what I mean. People around me are telling me it's not a sin. Are you kidding me? They're telling me it's okay. It's not a salvation issue. But I just, you know, I told the caller, I just don't know any hymn that goes, I surrender all but my cigarettes. I surrender all that we, you know. And, uh, That's a good point, I, you know, I'm almost, uh, I was listening to Charles Spurgeon, and he said, you know, let the morning of your sin be your joy. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that it's tearing me up. I'm glad that it's killing me. And I know 
then I'm going to get over it. So for right now, I'm just really trying to focus on methodology to build my faith. The only thing I've ever read in the Bible was faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So I'm reading more. I'm praying more. Um, doing a lot more charitable things when God, when I feel like the Spirit's led me there. I guess, you know, if I had any questions, I, I would be, it would be two. Am I justified in, with the Word of God and what it says that, that, you know, I need to count the cost and lay it all down and pick up my cross? And that would include cigarettes and any other lustful, you know, fleshly sins. And my other question would be, man, I feel like the Holy Spirit's guiding me to people that need me, and I've been able to help people uh, in a way that was not me, man, all God. And I just wonder, is it even possible for the Spirit to work within you if you haven't worked your salvation out completely? David, let me uh, uh, drop you drop the call. Can you listen to my answers after I drop you? Yeah, sure. Okay, I'm going to do that and because um, I have another caller, but I'm going to try to answer your your questions really quick, okay? Okay, thanks. thank you. For that, thank you for that call. Yeah. So the first question, the Bible says in Matthew 16, verse 24, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And James 2.10 says, if we offend in one point, we're guilty of all. And so we have to give up every sin. We can't refuse to give up a sin. We can't just say, well, I think that I'm going to, I'm doing nine out of ten things right, so I'm okay. God will overlook the tenth. No, we have to deny everything. We have to lose our life in order to gain eternal life. We, even one sin that we refuse to repent of, we're a, we're a violation of the whole law. Now, as far as the Holy Spirit, the Bible teaches in Acts 2, verse 38, that if we'll repent and we baptize for the remission of sins, we'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 6, it talks about how that we have to flee fornication because the, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The implication is, is that when we sin, and we find this in some passages in the Old Testament, that when we sin, the Holy Spirit has to leave us because Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says the Holy Spirit is the seal of our inheritance. It's a, it's a, a down payment. A guarantee. And so the Holy Spirit does not indwell the unfaithful Christian. We have to give up sin to have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Laura from Arkansas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Um, yes, I was just wondering, um, all of us sin every day, all the time. So if we've accepted Christ and we've been baptized and we've been saved and we're trying to do right and follow his ways, but we know we're going to sin, if we forget to ask for forgiveness or repent of that because there are so many sins. Does that mean, like, okay, I've forgotten to say, Lord, please forgive me, I'm sorry, and I didn't even realize I did it, let's say, and or, or forgot or what, and didn't ask for that forgiveness. Have I lost it and I've got to start all over again or just when I remember it? You know what I'm saying? You know, I was going to, we have this question come up a good bit, and there are a couple of passages I would like you to look at, Laura. One is Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. That's a promise of God that's guaranteed. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And so if we seek God and his law, when we really want to know it, then we'll find out the truth. Matthew 5, verse 6 says, Blessed are the meek, I mean, uh, excuse me, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so if we're hungering and thirsting after righteousness, Laura, we will be filled. God is not going to let us 
not find the truth if we're really seeking the truth. We will find the truth. The truth will make us free if we really want it. But if we don't really want it, we're not going to find the truth. So God says to Christians, to people who are already, already Christians, in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we have to confess our sins in order to be forgiven for them. Luke 13, 3 says, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Laura, thank you for your call very much. John from Idaho, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, sir. I've been listening to you talk about this, and you're saying that obedience is absolutely required. And while I agree that we are supposed to work towards obedience, Christ said no one is perfect, not even one. He also said hanging on the cross in conversing with the thief that when the thief repented and took up his faith in Christ, Christ said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He had not had any chance at all. He had not been obedient prior to hanging on the cross next to Christ. So while I agree we're a work in progress, how do you square that with the thief hanging next to him on the cross? If you take that to the logical conclusion, that would state that Christ is showing preferential treatment to some people and not to others. Yeah, the thief, John, could have been obedient before he's put on the cross. Many times people yes, go to prison, and they're, for example, in our day, they're on death row, and they repent, they become obedient to the gospel, and they're still put to death in the electric chair or whatever, but they have before, after their crime, they've repented of their crime, they've uh, become obedient, even been baptized for the remission of sins, like Acts 2.38 says, and then they're still executed. So we don't know that the thief was not obedient before he's put up on that cross, but we do know that he repented. And that's the basic requirement that we're talking about here. Acts 2.38, okay. right. Peter, Peter was telling folks what they had to do to be saved. He said, repent and be baptized Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So a person has to repent to receive the remission of sins. You follow me, John? Yes, sir. I understand that completely. But the point that I was making is it's the way, the way for me particularly, you're coming across. Obedience is required. Even if you believe in Christ, you're not going to be saved. If you're not obedient is what you said. And what I was pointing out is even the thief. And you're right, we don't know, but repentance, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is what's required for salvation, in my belief, because according to Christ, it's by faith and grace, not works, so no man can boast. Thank you, John, for your call. And so, of course, that view contradicts almost every page of the Bible. One verse I already read, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized, shall be saved. So it's not true all you have to do is believe. You have to be baptized. The verse we were just reading before that, Peter said to some believers, he didn't tell them they were already saved. He said, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So they were already believers in Acts 2, verse 38. They didn't already have the remission of sins. He told them, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So both repentance and baptism is necessary to get the forgiveness of sins. Uh, and, and the caller is right. We don't live perfectly, but the idea is, is that we have to repent when we fail. When we sin, we need to repent so that we can receive forgiveness. And we should never have this attitude. I hear this attitude a lot. 
well, we all sin, therefore it's okay to sin. No. No. Just because all of us sin, that doesn't make it okay to sin. We should do our very best to never sin. And when we fail, we should be extremely disappointed and ask for, truly repent and ask for God's forgiveness. You know, another easy text proof to show that people are not saved by faith only at the point of faith is Saul of Tarsus. If you examine Acts chapter 9, you see that he believed on the road to Damascus, but at least three days later, Ananias in Acts 22.16 is telling Saul to arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So if he's saved, forgiven of his sins at the point of faith in Acts chapter 9, then why is he being told to do something to get his sins forgiven three days later? Obviously, he had to believe and be baptized to get his sins forgiven. That's what all the texts say. It doesn't matter what the preachers say. It only matters what the Bible says. Robert from Texas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, yes, I just wanted to kind of make a comment I hope the people listen to. If I understand your teaching, your basic of teaching that you're saving yourself, that Jesus has a part of it, but you save yourself by what you do. No, I, absolutely. I could not... I could not I cannot, I Absolutely cannot. not. Robert, let me it's ask you agreed. a question. Do you believe that a person has to believe to be saved? Now, I understand that's part of faith. That's faith. Believing I know, but faith. I'm, answer, yeah, if you don't mind, uh, with all due respect, Robert, answer faith. my question. Do you think somebody has to believe in Christ to be saved? That's part. That yes, what Jesus Christ okay. has done, what He's done. Are they are they saving themselves simply because they have to believe? No, not. No, okay, and no, that's the same thing. Exactly. That, that, that's Jesus. exactly right, Robert. That's exactly right. So you, the fact that we have to believe to be saved doesn't mean we're saving ourselves. And so, therefore, by the same logic, the fact that we have to obey or we have to be baptized to be saved doesn't mean we're saving ourselves either. Salvation is provided for by the blood, the death of Christ. That's who saves us, God. But that salvation is conditional. It's conditioned upon trust and obedience. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. These, by believing and being baptized, you're not saving yourself. You're simply meeting the conditions that God requires in order to be saved by the death of Christ. So the death of Christ is what saves us. The question is when? Is it when we believe? No. Was Saul of Tarsus saved when he believed? No, he wasn't saved. He wasn't forgiven until he was baptized at least three days later. Acts twenty two sixteen, Ananias tells Saul, who's already believed three days before that, Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So it's clear a person has to be baptized to get his sins washed away. Belief all by itself is not enough. Richard from Texas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, uh, I... I... The Bible talks about baptism. Baptism is a sign of what has already taken place. The, uh, the baptism symbolizes what a man has already believed in his heart and confessed with his mouth. Scripture says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, baptism comes uh, when a man, baptism signifies that which you already have taken place. So Richard, where does the Richard? The hold on, Richard. Let me ask you a question. If a man, hold on. If a man confessed dying on a on a bridge somewhere and he's not able to be baptized, if he cried and said, "Lord, save me," I believe that your word is true. 
the Bible says that that man shall be saved, just like the thief on Richard. the cross. Now, baptism okay. is a signal. That signifies okay. the death of the old man and the rising of the new. Now, Richard, uh, where does the I'm Bible say, hold on, Richard, where does the Bible say that baptism signifies the salvation that's already occurred? Where does the Bible baptism, say that? Baptism, if Jesus, what's John 3.16 says if, uh, that the Lord, right. God so loved the but, world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever believe in him shall be saved, not believe and baptized, because baptism is, a, like I said, that is a sign of what has already taken place. There's no... So... I've I got to go to another caller, but Richard could not give us a verse that says that baptism is a sign of something that's already taken place. He asserted that four or five times, but absolutely gave no verse. Now, John 3.16 is true enough, teaches that a person has to believe to be saved. But does that mean all he has to do is believe? If that's so, then he doesn't have to repent of his sins. And that means a believer who's a homosexual and refuses to repent of his homosexuality... Just because he believes in Christ, he'll be saved if that's the correct understanding of John 3.16, that it teaches all you got to do is believe to be saved, because it doesn't mention repentance. The truth is, John 3.16 does not rule out repentance, does not rule out baptism. What it teaches is, is that you got to believe to be saved. Acts 2.38 is said to some believers, some who had already believed, if you examine 36, and it tells them they have to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So it takes belief repentance, and baptism when you accept what the Bible says. Now, men can say anything they want to. Men can say that baptism signifies something that's already taken place, but of course there's no verse anywhere in the Bible that says that. That's just what men make up to try to counteract what Jesus said in Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Chad from Ontario, Canada. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'm going to warn you, unfortunately, I'm driving home and to take a Bible out while I'm on the road might be, uh, might be kind of difficult. So I'm just going to bring up a couple questions and maybe you can, you can clarify. Because I think a lot yeah. of people on the show uh, seem to be confused about how it's, uh, it's coming across. So my first part, um, the man that called, I think he was the last caller or the caller before, he brought something about if a man is on a bridge and, um, you know, he's about to lose his life and he calls out to the name of Jesus Christ with a sincere heart but doesn't have the chance to be baptized, would you believe from reading Scripture that if that man's confession is sincere, um, that he would be saved? No, absolutely not. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So if I have any respect whatsoever for Jesus, if I, unless I believe Jesus is a liar, then I'm going to believe what Jesus says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now, either Jesus said that and he meant it, or he's a liar. And if he's a liar, nothing else he said can be trusted. If we can't trust that Mark 16, 16 is the truth, how can we trust that John 3, 16 is the truth? For, in other words, if, if Mark 16, 16 doesn't mean that a person has to believe and have to be baptized to be saved then how do you know John 3.16 means a person has to believe to be saved? You wouldn't know anything if you can't trust the word of Christ in Mark 16.16 16, in any other passage. Now, we're going to have to go off the air in a minute. Let me mention about my website. We're going to have to go off the air, but I would love to talk to every one of you more about the Bible. And I think the best way to do that is for all of you to send me an email. And you can do that by going to BibleCrossFire.com. 
That's the website for the program, BibleCrossFire.com. And you can click on an icon that says Send Pat a question or comment. So you can go there, send Pat a question or comment. Do that. I would love to hear from you. Um, There's some other things that you can do at that website. For example, you can ask for a free Bible correspondence course. Actually, you can actually do it over the Internet via that site. You can listen to any of my previous Bible Crossfire programs at that site. All kinds of Bible resources at that site. If you in your area would like to study with somebody like me face-to-face, now I probably live a long way away from you, but somebody like me face-to-face, go to my website and there's an icon there you can click to request a face-to-face Bible study with someone like me in your area. That's BibleCrossFire.com. Go there and let's talk about the Bible all throughout the week. I would love it. BibleCrossFire.com. We appreciate you listening and be sure and listen next week at this same time to Bible Crossfire.